The sermon for this morning is something that we all have, and the title is Conquest of Fear. Conquest of Fear. I have a clip in here that I would like to read, and it says, Fear haunts the lives of countless persons. Old people are afraid, and young people too. Sick people, as well as healthy ones, are afraid. Fear disturbs, torments, and incapacitates. It comes in various forms and from many directions. Before the angelic chorus herald the birth of the Savior, they first allayed the fears of the terrified shepherds with the comforting words, Fear not. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. These same words come to calm our fears today. Why is it that we suffer this thing that we all have, fear? Where did it come from anyway? How did it happen to be in every one of us? And a while back, I really enjoyed, even though it was short, but to the point, very sweet, Mark presented a sermonette on fear. He brought very wonderful thoughts about fear, and at that time, I had a sermon that I have it here before me, uh, ready to preach on that, and so I thought I would just let it go for a while until the time would come to preach about fear. Let's go to the Bible now and find out where this fear came from or how did it start. And to find anything in this life, whether it's fear, whether it's love, whether it's hatred, whether it's uh, animals, serpents, anything, we go to the Bible. Most of the times we go to Genesis, and that is the origin, the beginning. Genesis, as you know, is the beginning, the origin of everything. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, we read here through verse 10. And here the Bible tells us how fear entered into the world. Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 8, I read through verse 10. And they heard the voice of the Lord God. They, meaning Adam and Eve. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. And what? And I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. Notice that before this, before sin, before transgression, before disobedience, Adam and God had sweet relationship. 
There was no fear whatsoever. I believe that Adam and God communed with each other, probably face to face. I'm going to say that, not being able to find a particular verse that says that, but I am assuming that Adam and God, since there was no sin, no defilement, nothing, I'm assuming that God and Adam talked to each other because here it says that God talked to Adam. But before this, Adam was not afraid. He didn't fear anything. And God gave him a, gave him a super mind. He was an intelligent being. Imagine creating someone so intelligent that he was able to name all the animals and he, he had power over God's dominion. Such a magnificent creation as Adam. And then sin entered the world. Disobedience came. And because of this, Adam became afraid. And here is the first mentioned of being afraid. Having fear. God never intended for this to be in His beings that He created. God did not want for us to have this fear that torments, that, as I quoted here, that countless peoples have fears. Old people are afraid, young people are afraid, sick people are afraid, as well as healthy people are all afraid. Fear disturbs, torments, and incapacitates. It comes in various forms and from many directions. I believe that God gave us this fear for a reason. This is why I would like to speak about it. Because I believe that this fear has to do with our salvation, believe it or not. If we did not fear, then we would just go out in front of a car and let the car hit us. We would not be afraid. This particular person told me one time, and he said, I am not afraid of the tornadoes, he said. I don't fear the tornadoes. When I see a tornado coming my way, all I do is get out of the way. I don't fear a train, he said. I can stand on the track and the train is coming. I don't fear the train. But when a train gets pretty close, I get out. And that's the way it is. But you know, we are, we are all afraid. Don't tell me right now that you don't fear. Don't tell me. There was a person a while back saying, fear is of the devil. Fear is of the devil. And perhaps in a way it could be, you know, connected with Satan, connected with sin, as we have read here, that fear, it is connected somehow to evil and all that. But uh, this person was saying that uh, we should not have any fear whatsoever. But even as Christians, the Bible commands that we should have fear. This is why we get converted. This is why that we become Christians. This is why we accept God, the plan of God. This is why we go all the way to being baptized, to give our lives to the Lord, because we have fear. Let's go to the Bible, to Proverbs chapter 1. And I want you to read with me from Proverbs chapter 1. And I want you to notice what this chapter says, beginning in verse 24. 
We read through verse 33. And we're going to read responsive. This way you get a better understanding of the verse. Just if I read it through and some of you don't even turn to the Bible. And some of you perhaps don't have a Bible. But in this church we use the Bible. This is why I quote the scriptures two and three times. Because I want you to see what the Bible has to say. I want you to learn the Bible. It is the word of God. It is the only plan that we have for our lives. It tells us all about our lives. Why we're here. Why did God created us? And where are we going? What's going to happen to us? What happens after death? And what about the judgment? Everything about this world, about our life, is right here in the Holy Bible, believe it or not. It is right here. This is why I want you to learn the Bible. The reason I quote the Bible the way I do, which might be different than other preachers, uh, some preachers just quote the Bible and the verse and they go on and go on, and some people do that, some preachers do that, which is fine. I have nothing against that. And many times, uh, people who know the Bible, they know what he's talking about. But many times, when we turn to the Bible and we see it, then we remember that, that it's there in the Bible. So in Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 24, I read that, you read the next on responsive through verse 33. Notice what it says. Because, the Lord says, because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded it. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. They were none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. You notice that? I want you to underline this portion of Proverbs. The other night when Brother Whitten was preaching, he quoted this. I don't know if you got that. He quoted this part. Because the Lord is saying here, when I called you, in verse 20, <clears throat> 24, <clears throat> he says, when I called, you refused. I called you, but you refused. And he says, and I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded it. He says, I called you, and uh, I stretched out my hand, and you didn't want my hand. You don't want my help. And then he says, But ye have said at not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. Then the Lord tells us what he's going to do, because we neglect him, we neglect his plan, his salvation, 
We don't want nothing to do with God. And so God says, all right, if you want to go your way, God says, go your way. And we can go our way. Why? Because we were created free moral agents. We can choose whatever way we want to go. We want to worship a dog. We want to worship Buddha. We want to worship a cat. It doesn't matter. The Lord says, all right, go your way, he says. But remember, remember, he says in verse 26, I also, he says, will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. Verse 27 says, When your fear cometh as, de as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, which could be interpreted tornadoes, whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you. Verse 28 says, Then shall they call upon me, but, he says, I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. So here the Bible presents to us two kinds of fears. One is the fear of the world, the fear of man, the fear that we have out there when we are in the world, and then there is the fear of the Lord. So I would like to make a distinction, a separation between the two kinds of fears. And if you are saying right now that I don't have fear, I say, and I have said it many times and I'll say it again today, I don't fear any man. That is, when I preach the Word of God, when I present the Bible just as it is here, I don't fear anybody. I'm not preaching and, I, and I'm not holding back my words because uh, of a certain person that is, that is going to get back at me or that I fear someone or that I say, I fear the board. I fear the church because if I say something, they're going to vote me out or something like that. Brethren, I want you to know that I don't have those kind of fears. It doesn't matter to me if you want to vote me out. It doesn't matter to me if, if you say, we don't want Brother Padilla here anymore. I know that God wants me. I know that God loves me. So I don't fear a man. But to a certain extent, we all have fears. And I'm going to show you from the Bible that there are certain fears that we all have. Let's go to Proverbs, which we're here now, chapter 29, and we read verse 25. Proverbs chapter 29, and we read verse 25. It says like this, the fear of man, notice this, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall, what? Shall be saved. Very similar to what we read in Proverbs chapter 1. Very similar. That while we're in the Lord, while we're serving God, we are safe there. We are in a safe condition. And the Bible tells us here that when we have fear of a man, there is a snare there, it says here. That it bringeth a snare. But if you put your trust in the Lord, then you are safe. We go to the Bible again, and we learn that the disciples of Jesus Christ 
that they walk with him for about three and a half years, as far as we can tell from the Bible prophecies of Daniel chapter 9, the 70 weeks and the, the midst of the week and so on, that Christ preached for about three and a half years. During that time, the disciples or apostles walked with him side by side. They had powers that Jesus gave them, powers to heal the sick, all manners of sickness. They had power to cast out demons. They had powers to raise the dead. They had all kinds of powers and uh, they were just great men as long as Jesus was right there with them. Let's turn to John chapter 19 and we read verse 38. Here we have how we can fear men or a man. A while ago I stated that, that I'm not afraid of the congregation and I preach the way I do because I have a great responsibility. Now we have a man that is mentioned here in John 19 and verse 38 that he was a great man. He was a great ruler and so on, but he had fears. He feared men. And a lot of people are that same way today. In John chapter 19, verse 38, we read this verse and it says, And after this, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but what? What? Secretly. Notice what it says. That this Joseph of Arimathea, he was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for he fear, for fear of the Jews. Notice that, that he was a disciple of Jesus Christ, but secretly, why? Because he feared the Jews. Besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus. Now here was a man, Joseph, who apparently was a rich man. This is why in, in the Isaiah 53, it tells us that Christ was buried with the rich. He didn't have no grave. He didn't have a house. A man came to the Lord and he said, Master, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, he says, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Are you willing to follow a man like that that has no place? And Joseph here was a rich man. Jesus didn't have a plot ready when he would die. He didn't have a place ready in the cemetery. He didn't have anything. In fact, Jesus was a very poor man, if you want to call him that. But here we have a rich man, Joseph. He believed in Jesus Christ, but secretly. And you know, we have a lot of people that way today. A lot of people believe. They believe about the Sabbath. I can guarantee you that Billy Graham, he knows that the Sabbath is true. He knows. But if he was to turn to being a Sabbath keeper, you know what would happen to Billy Graham? He wouldn't have the following that he has. He won't be popular because he's keeping the Sabbath. He turned Jewish or back under the old law. And he went back. He 
going back, you know, to keep the old Jewish Sabbath. So he would not be popular. And he would have that fear. So there are a lot of people. I've talked to, to ministers. One time there was a young evangelist, and he was preaching, and, and this brother was coming to church. And uh, he said, you know, uh, there is an evangelist over there. That man is just super. My, he quotes the Bible. You ought to hear that man. He knows the Bible by memory. He said, I want you to go and hear him. So I went over there to the meeting, and sure enough, he would get the Bible, and he would get down the aisles and down to the pews, and he would talk to people, and he'd go out and preach, and he would go around, and the whole church, he would just walk around and preach. I, I've seen that also, some preachers on television doing that. They get down, you know, from the pulpit, and they start moving back and forth. And So anyway, uh, this man, he said, how would you like to meet with that guy, and how would you like for you and him to tangle, he said, and uh, for you and him to talk about the commandments and the Sabbath? I said, I'll be glad to. If he will come to my home, I'll go to wherever, he, wherever he's at, I'll go. He said, okay, I'll arrange a meeting with him. And you know, finally that young man, young evangelist, who was very bright, he knew the scripture so well, he came to my house. At that time, I know Linda remembers this, she probably remembers it very well, and also the other people that were there. And so we all met in our home, and this brother that was coming to church, he was also there, and he said, boy, I'm going to see, you know, two roosters. I'm going to be here watching a big fight. I'm going to see two preachers here get tangled up on the law on the Sabbath, and I'm just going to have a great time. And so the young man came in, we started talking, and this brother, he says, hey, he told a young evangelist, what do you think about the Sabbath? You think that they should be kept now? Or was that for the Jews or what? He said, what are you talking about? He said, the Bible says the Sabbath should be kept. He said, I keep the Sabbath, he told that man. He said, I keep the Sabbath. He said, I keep it secretly, he said. I don't want the people to know because if I was to tell the people that I keep the Sabbath, then I could not preach in all these churches that I go to. But I keep the Sabbath. He says, every Sabbath I keep it. And this man, his mouth opened so big, and I, I, we all just sat there amazed that this man, an evangelist, so bright and all that, and he knew about the Sabbath. But because of fear, because of he wanted to do something secretly, see? Keep the Sabbath secretly. Don't let nobody know you keep the Sabbath. Don't let nobody know that you are kind of a awkward, uh, kind of a weirdo, you know? Don't let people know that you go to a church that, uh, that is quite different than other churches and so on. You know, some people actually believe and think that here in the Church of God's Seventh Day that we do not preach Christ that we do not believe in Jesus Christ in real conversion, born again, that we should have the Holy Spirit in us, they believe that we're under the law because we keep the Sabbath. And yet let me say, brethren, that it is really a shame that a lot of us call Sabbatarian, Sabbath, Sabbath keepers, a lot of us don't keep the Sabbath the way we should. We don't. Because we all have our own little notions, our own ideas as to how the Sabbath should be kept. 
Some people do whatever they want on the Sabbath. They, if they want to go swimming, if they want to uh, go and watch television, if they want to go do this and do that, they do whatever they want on the Sabbath. I tell you what, brethren, we better start searching the Scriptures to see what it says. Let's turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, we read verse 19. Here's now what I was saying a while ago about these disciples, these men that walk with Christ, and yet, after Christ was crucified and was buried, they thought, well, that's the end of it. They killed the Master. They killed Jesus. They crucified Him. You know what we find in John chapter 20 and verse 19? Let's read that verse. And here it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for what? For fear of the Jews. For fear of the Jews. Came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Shalom Alechem. Peace be unto you. The disciples were assembled in a house, but they were there, not assembling there for prayer, or assembling there because they were uh, crying because of the Messiah. They were assembled all huddled up in a little house somewhere because of the fear of the Jews. They said they crucified the master, the man that went around healing and all that, and they're going to get us too. So let us hide ourselves, you see. That fear was in them. So don't tell me you don't have any fears because here were men of God, men that walked with Jesus. They saw the miracles, they even had power themselves, and yet they feared. They feared who? Men. And that's the whole problem, brethren, I believe, with a lot of Christians. They fear the world. They fear men. They fear the boss. They fear their jobs, that, they're going to, that the job might be taken away from them. They fear uh, the community. They fear uh, church affiliation. Some people don't move around to, uh, you know, to higher heights and deeper depths with the Lord. Some people do not go any deeper in doing what God says because of fear. What will the people say? You know, Brother Jerry Morgan has come a long way. And perhaps a lot of us too, because I'm pointing to him because he was telling me of the various churches he had been affiliated with. But he has taken step and step by step and has finally come into the church of God. He even came through the Seventh-day Adventist church and came into the church of God seventh day. But what if he would have had a lot of friends in another church? And you know what? Sister Sherry Morgan, she lost her job. You know why? Because she said, I'm going to obey God because of the Sabbath. She lost her job. A lot of other people have lost their jobs. A lot of people have lost their necks. A lot of people have lost their lives because of God's commandments. And I want you to know, brethren, that that fear of man should not be in us. If we have to move to higher heights, if we have to go to obey God, whatever it takes, we must make those decisions as they come to us, 
especially when it comes to worship God in spirit and in truth. And now that we were in Albuquerque, I met uh, with all my relatives that are there, my own brother, who's a Roman Catholic, and also all the other relatives, or most of them are Roman Catholics. And all these people, they all know that my wife and I moved on from the Catholic Church, we moved on to the Church of God, Seventh Day. Yet, brethren, they asked me, through, of course, Priscilla, that is here, she wanted for me to speak. But you know what? The priest would not allow for me to speak in the Catholic Church. In fact, the priest got up because he, the mortician or the funeral director, he asked the priest if I could say a few words, that I was a minister. So just before the communion service during the, the mass that was given to Pete, the priest got up and he said, if you do not agree with the Pope, if you do not agree with the Roman Catholic Church teachings and the doctrines, if you do not agree, he said, with what we believe, he said, you cannot take the communion. Well, you might say, well, that was kind of dirty for him to say that. No, I want you to know that he was right. Because I do not agree with him. I do not agree with their doctrines. I do not agree with Pope Paul, Pope John, whoever. I do not agree with him. So I don't have communion with him. I cannot have communion. So I agree with him. Even though my brother-in-law, Charlie, my brother-in-law, he said, I'm going to talk to that priest, he said. He had no right to get up there and say that because he, Charlie's wife's a Presbyterian, my sister-in-law. And so we've been talking a lot. In fact, we sat there one night until I don't know what hours in the morning talking about the Bible. And she said, my sister-in-law, a Presbyterian, she said, I'm disgusted with my church. I go there, she says, and I don't get nothing out of the sermons. I go there dry, and I just come out of there mad, and I don't get anything. So then, we need to move on. We shouldn't stay there because of family affiliation, because we have good friends, and because of this, because of that. We kind of fear, you see, that, that what will people think if we move on and change to something better, to serve the Lord better? And so this is what I'm talking about today. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy and chapter 1. We read verse 7. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. It says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, he said, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Notice that, that Christ Jesus being the second Adam, he came to restore to us, restore what Adam lost. And so here, the Apostle Paul, knowing by the inspiration of God, that he says here, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
You know how many lives have actually died? How many people have been martyred? How many people have burned at the stake? How many people lost their lives so that you and I could have this Bible today and sit here in a real nice, comfortable place and to enjoy salvation the way we do? You know how many millions of people have given their lives even to translate this Bible into English, which Tyndale did. Tyndale translated the Bible, and you know what happened to Tyndale? He was burned at the stake. And you know that when King James decided to have a, a, a Bible, authorized version that everybody could read, he selected 50 and some scholars to translate the Bible under the oath of death. They had to translate everything exactly alike. Then you know that about 85% of Tyndale's translation is right here in the King James Version. And yet that man was burned at the stake. He didn't have no fear. Many people have died. We saw a while ago here in India how that in India, if you change from Hinduism to Christianity, you lose everything. You lose your father, your mother, your relatives, you lose everything. And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus taught. That when you become a Christian, when you become a disciple, the Lord says... What would it profit a man if he were to gain the whole world and lose his own life or soul? When you become a Christian, you surrender all to Jesus Christ. And you forsake father, mother, husband, wife, children, possessions. You forsake all. And Jesus says, if you do not, you are not worthy to be my disciple. And so we have some pictures that we saw here of India. And that's only part of our work around the world. Some people think, well, the church of God is just a little bitty thing. Which, of course, when you, you know, compare us to other churches and all that, we are rather small. But I want you to know that we do have churches around the world. What you saw a while ago here is actually church of God people in India. I used to have communication with some of the people in India. They used to write to us. We send money over there. We send books. I've had communication with the people in Africa. I've been all over Mexico, Central America, and parts of South America. I know the work that we have. And I, believe me, when people leave the Catholic Church, for instance, like in, in Colombia, and some of those parts where there are predominantly Catholics, when you leave the Catholic Church and join something else, your life is at stake. You're liable to lose your life anytime. Now, what is the fear of God anyway? The fear of God, first of all, is to have reverence for God. That is the fear of God. Reverence. Number two, respect. We respect our Creator. Number three, the fear of God is to obey His Word. And to prove what I am saying about having the fear of God, the fear of God doesn't mean that you are there fearing God and you're shaking in your boots. It doesn't mean that at all. The fear of God, as we find in the Bible, 
I want you to turn with me real quickly to Job chapter 28 and verse 28. And I want you to notice what the Bible, or what is the Bible definition for fear. Job 28, 28. It's very easy to remember that. You want to underline that, which I have it here in my own Bible underlined. Job 28, 28. And this is what it says. And unto man he saith, notice this, unto man God saith, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. You see then what is the definition of godly fear? That the fear of the Lord is wisdom. That is the fear of the Lord. To have wisdom of God and to depart from evil is understanding. What is evil anyway? Evil is iniquity. Evil is something that you do against the will of God. Evil is something that you do when you disobey God, when you transgress His laws, His commandments. Then, in closing, I want to give you another verse of Scripture. And this is not the end of the sermon, by the way, because I have many more Scriptures here. But I think that I have made my point already as to what I want you to understand about what it is to have godly fear. And also because of uh, Kurt and Christine that are going to be baptized today, it isn't that they made the decision just like this. You know, they've been studying, and Johnny and Beth have been studying with him real hard. I've had Bible studies with them also, and I haven't had a chance to be with them as, as, long, as much as I would like to. But, you know, they have relatives. They belong to other churches. And right away they approached them. And right away they said, you're going back under the law. Read Romans 14. Romans 14 tells you that you can just select any day you want to keep. You keep any day you want. And so on. Romans 14. And all these other scriptures they give you. But it was because of studying the scriptures. Because of prayer. Because of asking God to lead them and direct them. And I talked to them today. I told, I told Kurt and Christine, I said, you know what, I've noticed this, that a lot of people that are being baptized are not really converted. They're not really converted. They just want to be baptized. I don't know why they want to be baptized, because they don't bother to go to church. They don't bother to serve the Lord. It seems that there's no change in their life. And I believe, brethren, before you get baptized, there must be a change in your life. Amen? There must be a change in your life. You must be converted. You must be born again. You must be walking with the Lord so you can bury the old man. And don't be deceived by thinking you can mock the Lord and just go around and play in church or play in religion. You can't do that, brethren. God is looking down at us. Remember Proverbs chapter 1. Remember that. The Lord says, when your calamities come, I'm going to laugh at you, he says, because you would not hearken unto my counsel. Let's turn to Matthew 10 and verse 28, and we'll close with this verse. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Notice what it says. 
Matthew 10, 28. It says like this, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. If you have your marginal reading there, the word hell comes from the Greek word Gehenna. The word hell means Gehenna. Gehenna was the valley of, of uh, Hinnom, the valley where they used to burn like a trash dump in Jerusalem. And the Lord chose that to, to, to show us how that, that to fear God, the one that can destroy everything that is you, you, your being, your mind, your soul, everything that is you, God can destroy that. He said, don't fear man. He can only destroy your body, but cannot destroy your soul, meaning your very life. He cannot destroy that, but fear God, he said. He's going to destroy everything. Fear him. This is what Jesus taught us. And so, the fear of the Lord is not to be shaking, but the fear of the Lord is to obey Him. Obey Him and serve Him. And don't worry. Don't worry about your friends and neighbors. Don't worry about them, that they're going to talk about you. You think about what God is uh, looking down at you and, and what God is going to do with our lives. Thank you. Shall we bow our heads for a moment of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus came to give us peace in our hearts, to make us strong through your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that the fear that we should have does not bring torment to us, but your fear is to obey you, gives us wisdom and understanding. And Father, we ask you to help us to live for you. Bless every heart that is here today, every home that is represented. And Father, we pray for the request again, those that are sick and afflicted, those that are bereaved and sorrow. Father, we pray for them. Bless those in India, children that are starving in Ethiopia. Bless around the world, Heavenly Father, all those people that need you. We thank you for this service. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, we praise you and we thank you. Amen.